Chapter 25 I do not think the odds favor us, Axe said with cool understatement. This time you're wrong, Axeman, Tobias said. They're going the same place we are, following the signal from the ship. Pointing the way, Cassie said. Whole boat, Jake said. We hauled. Suck in water, blow it out, draw it in, blow it out. We jetted along the ocean floor, heading for the place where the string of lights pointed. Were we closer? Were they? Impossible to say. Then... Whoa! I felt, rather than saw, the ground open beneath me. A vast, deep canyon. And there, perched comfortably on the shelf just below the canyon lip, glowing faintly green, was what could only be a ship. Not a human ship. It was, as the Chi had said, about 300 feet long. They had not told us what it looked like, but the faint green outline was strikingly clear. The Pemelite ship was shaped like a sort of clownish version of one of them. Like someone had done a cartoon of a Pemelite, exaggerating the vaguely canine head, making the slender hind legs stubby, the belly chubby. It looks like Snoopy, Cassie said. It did. Kind of. Like a huge, prone, faint green Snoopy. Not exactly the blade ship, is it? Jake said. The Pemelites didn't build it to be a weapon, Cassie said. It's a toy. They built it for fun. I looked up. The line of York ships was still above us. Maybe a mile. Maybe a hundred feet. Let's get inside. We jetted over. The outer hull access panel was clearly, conveniently lit. Here's the environmental adaptation panel Eric told us about, Jake said, placing a row of suckers on top of the flat rectangle. Let's see what the Pemelite computer makes of this. A glowing yellow light flashed twice, to our eyes as blindingly bright as a flashbulb. Jake drew back his long squid arm, and just using the tip, daintily punched the number six. Immediately, the side of the ship slid open, exposing a decompression chamber big enough to accommodate six giant squid. Cool, Marco said, following us inside. It might as well just say, hello, giant squid, party of six. I glanced back as the decompression door began to close on a slew of giant tentacles and arms. The lights outside were larger now, closer. The entire ship began to brighten, like a light bulb on a dimmer switch. It illuminated the rock shelf. It illuminated a pair of hideous fish. And it illuminated the closest of what looked very much like eight bug fighters. The outer door shut. We have company coming, I said. Let's get this done. We have to get in and turn off the signal, Jake said. An inner door began to open. Eric said we'd have an atmosphere designed to sustain our life forms, Jake said. Hope they're prepared for squid. Yeah, ready with batter and hot boiling oil. Calamari for 10,000, Marco said. We were gently extruded through the door into the ship. The interior lights came up, slowly. And Eric was right. There was an environment waiting for us. Oh. My. God. Cassie said. 
We were still swimming. Still in water. Sort of. We were each suspended above the floor in a personal, floating bubble of water. Like a water bloomp. I jetted. The bubble moved. I reached a hand through the water bubble into the air beyond. I felt dryness. The bubble did not collapse. Oh man, if we could take this technology, we could open a water park that would totally rule the world of water parks, Morgo said. Yeah, that was my first thought too, I said. Water park dominance. Beyond the bubble was a world of magic. Lush green and purple grass carpeted the floor, forming patterns. Swirls, chicken boards, Picasso-like abstracts, and Van Gogh flowers. Trees and bushes in Crayola colors grew in thickets and hushed groves. A sparkling river meandered through the center of the ship, cascading down into a gentle waterfall and a rippling lake below. Everywhere there were inexplicable, brightly colored, gaily lit machines that could only be toys of some sort. Beside us, wafting through the air, were things like long, feathered snakes. Projected on the arched ceiling, far overhead, were patterns of clouds and skies like nothing on earth. After all the thousands of years, it was all still working. Only the dead silence lay as a grim reminder of a species lost. Where is the bridge? Axe demanded. Kind of like your dome ship, Axe Man, only much cooler, Tobias said. Yes, well, we had to make room for weapons, Axe said disparagingly. Which is why Andalites still exist, and Pemelites do not. Tachi Tachi, Marco said. There must be a bridge, Axe said. Even these space-going children had to have a bridge. That tree? Cassie suggested. I see lights and stuff. We jetted, contained within our water balloons, and came to the tree. Sure enough, a series of fairly business-like panels were fitted into the trunk. This is absurd, Axe said. The bridge is a tree trunk? We Endolites love trees, but this is ludicrous. Turn off the signal and let's get out of here before the Yurks get in, Jake said. On one panel, a red light blinked. Below it was a button. I'm thinking, push that button, Marco offered. Axe's water bubble slowly pushed aside Marco's. Perhaps I had better take care of this, Axe said. A cheerful thought-speak voice sang out in our heads. Greetings, friends. We are happy to have you aboard. However, we would not want you to access this panel. It is possible that you might accidentally do yourself harm. And that would be so sad. Axe punched in the number six. That is the correct code. Our concerns were misplaced. Now that we've penetrated their crack security, Marco said with a laugh. Many thanks, friend. You now have access to the control panel. Make your selection at your convenience. When you are finished, we hope you will join us in a game, a delightful meal, or simply relax and enjoy yourself. This is weird. I said. You know, I heard Disney was building a cruise ship. Maybe this is it. Axe began communicating with the control panel. It didn't take long. 
All normal chi functions are restored. The Pemolite voice said, Would you like something to eat? And then, Chi destruct sequence has been activated. Are you sure this is what you want? All chi within range will self-destruct in 15 minutes. What? Cassie yelped. What happened? Tobias demanded. I don't know, Axe admitted. And then, quite suddenly, the black ocean was all around us. Ah, what the? The hole has become transparent, Axe said, the first to figure it out. The park-like world was all still there, but the projected sky was gone, replaced by inky water. The outer hole was now like glass, and through the glass I saw the line of bugfighters. Eight, lined up outside the decompression chamber. We could see them. They could see us. Through transparent bulkheads, through the transparent hole, through the front V-port of the lead bugfighter, I saw a hard, cold-eyed Andalite face. An Andalite face, but the light of malice that shone through the two large eyes, through the twin stalk eyes, was not Andalite. Visser 3, I whispered. Chapter 26 They don't have the code, Cassie said. The code is a single digit, Marco said. How long do you think? The bugfighter turned, bringing a modified rear door into contact with the invisible outer hull. A hork-bajir bounded inside. A taxon slithered behind him. And then, moving almost daintily as he stepped from the bugfighter down into the Pemolite ship, came Visser 3. We can't even morph, I yelled in frustration. He can see us. The Yurks broke the code. The outer door of the decompression chamber opened. The fighters disgorged hork and Taxons into the Pemolite ship. They formed up around Visser 3 in the decompression chamber, some fanning out to take up flanking positions. They'll cut us to ribbons, Tobias said. Oh, the drama! Oh, drama! Oh, the tension and the excitement of it all! The voice was new, not thought-speak. High, shrill, grating. Who the... what? Jake said. Where did that voice come from? Right here, Jake! From me! Big Jake! Jake the reluctant leader! Jake the oh-so-terrorism-decent one! A sanctimonious killer! My least favorite kind! The Puppet Master, I said. The guy behind all this. Where are you? Jake demanded. Come out and show yourself. Come out, come out, wherever you are! The voice sang mockingly. Of course! I'll even come out with my hands up! It appeared from behind a tree. It moved on two legs, body held forward and balanced by a stubby tail. It walked like a bird or a small dinosaur. It did hold its hands up, but they were weak, flimsy things, multiply jointed but obviously designed for very light work or very low gravity. The head was surprising for that almost reptilian body, vaguely human in shape, with a narrow lower jaw and wide-set, intelligent, laughing eyes. It was wrinkled 
like your thumb after a long bath. Its flesh was dark, almost black. The eyes and mouth were rimmed in green. All right, what is that? Tobias asked Axe. That is not a species I recognize. I don't know what species it is, but I think we'd better report it to the Prune Growers Association, Marco said. Oh, Marco the funny one, the creature cried, slapping its limp hands together. How's funny, Marco? Is she alive or is she dead? Does she scream with a yuck in her head? Marco reached for the creature with two long tentacles, but neither touched the withered thing. They stopped and bent back. All here together, the prune thing mocked. Cassie, the hypocrite, I don't believe in violence, except when I do. Except me, the pitiful pale shadow of his dead brother. If only you'd insisted on doing without finger, maybe he'd have lived. Too bad. And Tobias, ah yes, Tobias, the boy not really so trapped as a bird, eh? but too countless to assume life as a human. And Rachel, my very favorite animorph. The thing smiled a lipless smile. Rachel, Rachel, do you feel the adrenaline rush of murderous desire? Do you feel the urge to reach out and destroy me? Of course you do. You and I have that in common. Who are you? I snapped trying to ignore the rage it had so clearly seen inside me, trying to ignore the fear as well. This thing knew us, all about us, who we were, what we were. All it had to do was tell the Yurks. Then, even if we escaped, we were finished. Haven't figured it out yet? Oh, so slow. Allow me to introduce myself, it said. I am the drone. It's a word for my species. It means wild card. Cryok, Jake said. You're his creature. Oh, very clever. Big Jake, Prince Jake. Have you killed your brother yet? No? Well, you will. Cryok sent you, Jake answered calmly. Payback? The droad grinned. Then the grin disappeared. Payback, it said. You ruined his howlers, ruined his plans for the escort. Kayak doesn't like you, Big Jake. Any of you. Then it looked straight at me. Although, you have potential. I let that go by. I didn't want to think about what it meant. This is all your setup, I said. Causing the chi malfunction, setting things up so we could escape from the mole unnoticed, killing that sperm whale, and now starting a self-destruct for the chi. Whale killing? Me? The droid said in mock horror. No, no, no! That big lump on the beach falls just over the line into sentience. And I never kill a sentient creature. Your whale will survive. The rules, Axe said. You must still live within the rules that govern the Elemist and Cryok. Yes, yes, oh yes, the droid sneered. Mustn't upset the balance. 
Not directly, anyway. But create problems? Yes. Create opportunities? Yes. Play the wild card? Of course. And now, no more time for chat. The yurks are here for you. Will they kill you outright? Or will they make you controllers? I don't care. Either way, my master will reward me. I thought you couldn't kill sentient creatures, Cassie said desperately. That's the rule, isn't it? But you set the self-destruct for the chi. The droid laughed. They're machines, you silly girl! Androids! You're killing us, Tobias said. Putting us in an impossible situation. We can't morph here in plain view of the Yurks. You know that. You know we can't fight back. That's the same as killing us. Murder! Nonsense! The droid said. There's always a way left for you. That is also part of the rules. Now, if you don't find it, well... The creature walked back behind a tree. A tree much too narrow to conceal it. And yet, it disappeared. I looked left. Hork-Bajir and Taxons were filing the decompression chamber. Twenty, maybe more Hork-Bajir. Half a dozen Taxons. And Visser Three. An army, all by himself. Trapped! Demorph and give up our greatest secret. A secret that protected our families as well as ourselves. Or simply wait to die. Chapter 27 It won't take them long to get here. They'll be here in a... I started to say. Ink! Cassie yelled. Ink! That's the way out! Shoot your ink! It will cloud these water bubbles! We'll be out of sight and we can morph without the Yurks seeing us in human phase! Do it! Jake yelled. Ox! Yes, Prince Jake! I know! He said. Ax only had to demorph. He would have to buy his time. Me too, Tobias said. Immediately, a dark, roiling cloud of ink billowed out from me. Billowed out of me like a dense wall of fog, creeping out further and further, blocking and isolating everything in its path. I couldn't see through it, but I didn't know how long it would last. I began to demorph. Speed was everything. Ax and Tobias would try to slow the advancing Yurks but they wouldn't last more than a few seconds against that army. I began to shrink, becoming small within the vast bubble. My tentacles rolled up, suckers disappeared, my beak mouth became teeth. Too slow! Soon I'd be a human, sucking on water. No, wait! Water. Yeah, it was water. Black water. Opaque water. Hey, swim to the top of your bubbles! You can stick your head out and breathe without being seen. I managed to yell, just as my thoughts beat cut out. I was a creature, half cephalopod, half human. A horror. A hideous, slimy thing with blonde hair and shriveling tentacles. I swam straight up, up through the water as inky black as the water outside the ship. My head, my increasingly human head, poked out through the top. Around me was a gently rolling bubble of ink-filled water. I could see the ceiling above, and Tobias flapping hard for altitude. I could see the rounded-down sloping edges of the flying bubble itself. But I could not see the Yurks. 
and if I couldn't see them, they couldn't see me. I began to morph again. Sharp curved claws, as long as paring knives, sprouted from my fingertips. Thick, shaggy fur raced across my growing body. Gleaming fangs erupted where my human teeth had been. I dove down, as any good grizzly could, down through the black bubble. I swam straight down, down till my huge shaggy head erupted from the bottom of the bubble. The bottom of the bubble was about ten feet off the grassy floor. Suddenly, I dropped. Wham! I landed on my shoulder. I rolled and bounded up to my feet. The others were dropping around me. A tiger slipped from the bubble nearest mine and landed with all the easy grace my bear lacked. A wolf. A gorilla. The huge black bubbles continued to float over our heads like very low storm clouds. Ahead of us, a hundred feet away, no more, stood Axe. Facing Axe, a small Yurk army. Laying on the ground were two taxons, huge needle-legged centipedes. They'd been sliced open by an andalite tailblade. The other taxons devoured them noisily, round red mouths descending to rip and tear their brothers. Visser Three himself had a gash that almost removed one of his stock eyes. Tobias's handiwork. But the lull was temporary. The Visser was getting ready to renew the attack. I don't like these odds, Marco said. I like them better now than five minutes ago, I said. So, Visser Three said, we meet again, for the last time. You will never leave this ship alive. And this one. He jerked his hand toward a hork In the hork clawed hands, a hawk. This one dies first. I didn't hesitate. I didn't think. I dropped to all fours and charged. Sheer, massive aggression. But then, a movement. A taxon motoring across my path. I slammed into it like a tractor rolling over a snail. It shrieked. I flailed back in shock and pain. I sank my teeth into its head. Its foul taste flooded my mouth. I whooped my head in fury, tearing the taxon in two. I raked its still-squirming upper body with my claws, shoving it aside. But my charge had been ruined, my chance lost. With a loud roar, animal, hork and taxon, the battle erupted. We charged. They charged. We exploded into each other. Behind you, Rachel! Axe yelled. I caught a blurred movement, turned as the hork sharp, razor-bladed arm fell like an axe and buried itself in my hip. Agony exploded in my brain, driving me into frenzy. <laughs> I screamed, twisting away, staggering as the pain shot a thousand burning spikes through my body. Cassie leapt and buried her teeth in the back of a hork neck. I closed my jaws around the hork I shook him until he flopped like a ragdoll. I tossed him away. The battle raged. The lush, peaceful Pemelite ship, a nightmare scene of screams and roars, blood and rage. Marco, in Gorilla Morph, leapt down from an outcropping of rocks and tore into a taxon. It fell, writhing, squirming its lobster-clawed hands clicking and snapping in its death throes. A sleek, powerful tiger hurtled by 
pouncing on a Horkbisher's back and burying its fangs in its neck. The Horkbisher staggered, screamed, collapsed. Three huge, fearsome Horkbisher had converged on Axe and backed him to the edge of a small lake. One darted forward, swiping Axe with its bladed arm. Lightning quick, Axe's wicked scorpion tail flashed. The severed arm flew and plopped into the lake. The Horkbisher moaned and fell. The other two advanced. Growling, I thundered toward them, rose up on my back legs, and stumbled, pitching sideways as my wounded leg gave out, sending me crashing into a Horkbisher and knocking him to the ground beneath me. For one brief moment, our eyes met. And suddenly, eerily, we were more than warriors on separate sides. We were each other. And for a frozen moment, the world was still. Then, slash! His arm came up, wrist blade out. I jerked my head back and rolled into him. He slashed again and caught me in the side. I twisted and brought my right paw around. I didn't have the leverage to slash. Instead, I did what a grizzly wouldn't. I drew back my fist and punched him in the face. I clambered off his unconscious body. The battle was everywhere, and we were losing. The grass was littered with fallen taxon and hork The air was thick with dying screams and clogged with the hot, coppery stench of blood. Grafush! A hork charging Jake. Jake slashed, roaring. Cassie, hobbling, dragging a broken back leg, snarling and dodging a taxon's claws. Marco, bleeding, cheek laid open, his huge, powerful hands wrapped tightly around a hork neck. Squeezing. Axe, whirling, slicing, the master of deadly perfection. But we were losing, because all alone, surrounded by his Horkbajir guard, Visser III was morphing, growing, some hideous creation from some far distant planet. Huge. Deadly. We couldn't defeat all his Horkbajir and Taxons, let alone this monster. Wonderful! Lovely! Perfect! The drode cackled happily. I love the smell of battle! Oh, Jake! Are you dead yet? It had reappeared, stepping out from behind the same tree, seemingly oblivious to any danger. You! At least I'll take you down! I said. The drode grinned its green-rimmed grin. You know, Kaya could use you, Rachel. Why stay with these weaklings? You're already more like us than like them. A job offer? How nice. Yes, isn't it? You can survive this debacle. Just do us one small favor. Kill your tiresome cousin. Kayak would like to see that. So would I. Kill Jake. I laughed. Kill Jake? Nah, I think I'd rather kill you. I lunged for the drode. It dodged me easily. My momentum carried me past it, straight into a pair of hork Slash! My other rear leg buckled. Buckled like it was made out of rubber. I rose halfway up on all fours, but I couldn't reach the hork They laughed, seeing I was done for. Laughed at me and my helplessness. Then, something new. 
Something steel and ivory, moving at a speed no human, no hork no Andalite could match. It raced for the tree. Visor Three slapped at it with one of his morphing claws, but the steel and ivory creature simply blocked the blow. Eric? I blurted in disbelief, even as a hork leaned over to cut my throat open. No! No! The droad groaned in disbelief. Eric reached the tree. He punched something into the control panel. The hork was suddenly moving very, very, slowly. Oh, this is nothing all what I had in mind! The droad said. I rolled aside and reached to gut it, but my paw was likewise moving very, very, slowly. The thought-speak voice of the ship spoke. Chi self-destruct disabled! And we are very sorry to say that the hostility containment program has been activated. What a shame to spoil our lovely time with fighting. Once repairs have been made on all injured parties, we will have to ask you to leave the ship. And you wonder why the Kaya destroyed the Permalites, the droid said, enraged. What dangerous creatures they are! Pacifist androids! What is the point of machines that cannot kill? They could have ruled the The battlefield was frozen. Only Eric and the droid were able to move. Eric calmly lifted Tobias from the hork grasp. The droid came over to me. It took in the violent tableau. Me and the two hork The droid leaned close, close enough to whisper so only I could hear. Your friends are all relieved. Are you? Are you happy that peace has been restored? Or don't you itch? With a chance to press those deadly claws another six inches forward and tear open that exposed throat. The droid smiled. Cruel. Smirking. If you ever find yourself desperate, Rachel, at an end, in need, remember this. Your cousin's life is your passport to salvation in the arms of Krayak. Then it was gone. Chapter 28 The Pemolite ship carefully, politely, regretfully packed the Yurks, including a furiously enraged Visser Three, back into their modified bugfighters. I'll kill you all! I'll take the ship apart, piece by piece! I'll be back and nothing will stop me! You will all die, all of you! Andalite and... and whoever runs the ship! I'll kill you all! Visser Three said. Repeatedly. We are so sorry you had a bad time, the ship said. Perhaps we can meet again someday and enjoy some pleasant activities together. Once the Yurks were gone, we morphed and left the way we'd come in. The ship was polite to us, too, but it wanted us gone, just the same. It had only been ten minutes from the time we turned off the interference with the Chi to the point when Eric arrived at the ship to interrupt the battle. Ten minutes to get from land to a spot three miles underwater. If it had taken fifteen... The droid was right about one thing. That she had powers that would have made the Pemolites masters of the galaxy. All that power, and all the Pemolites had ever wanted to do was play. To learn. To be happy. Before we reached the surface of the ocean, the Pemolite ship had been moved. This time, to a depth only an android could reach. It was late when we got home, 
we were tired, worn and brittle from a day harsh with fighting. We each told our separate lies to our various parents, and we were each grounded. I don't think anyone minded. I wondered if I should tell Jake about the droid's foul offer, but I decided against it. I knew I would never, ever give in. I knew myself. I did. I knew my limits. I knew. But what the droid and his evil master Kryak had seen inside of me was real. Jake knew it. He trusted me, but there could come a time when he would doubt. Jake had enough to worry about. I went running down along the beach the next day. You couldn't even see where the big sperm whale had lain, gasping for breath. The news had said it was a freak shift in wind, bringing a small tidal surge that had lifted the whale free. Of course, I knew better. I felt a small shadow pass over me, blocking the sun for just a moment. I didn't even look up. I kept running. Maybe I could find a hidden spot somewhere up ahead and morph. A few minutes later, Hey, Rachel! I turned, surprised to find T.T. jogging after me. What? I said, sighing as he caught up. Well, uh, I was just wondering, he began. Wondering what? I said, jamming my hands into my pockets. Well, uh, if maybe you might want to go to the movies with me after all, he said nervously, glancing at me. My stomach twitched. He really was cute. And so normal. So not Tobias. He had almost certainly never eaten a mouse. On the other hand, he'd never morphed a sperm whale and gone to the bottom of the ocean while his brain was reeling with barely suppressed terror, just so he could look out for me. I opened my mouth to say, sure. Instead, I said, Hey, do you speak English? How many times do I have to say no? He called me a name I've been called before. Then, he took off. I was pretty sure he wouldn't ask me out again. Hey, he was cute! Tobias called down from the sky. Oh, shut up, you mouse-eating freak, I said. Tobias laughed. He knew better than to take me too seriously. I heard that. Heard what he called you, too. That guy is perceptive as well as cute. I know. I'm gonna go get some wings and come up there. Keep an eye out for me. I always will, he said. The sky is overcast, and I'm so. Animorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, your Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Um, sorry that I didn't announce that last time was the penultimate episode. I thought there were more chapters than this. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be the final episode, so we both got surprised. Um, I also thought that more of the book would be on the Pemolite ship and not just about uh, swimming through the ocean. I didn't think that was, I thought that was going to be like the setup, so I, that's, that's why I thought there was more book. My bad. Um, but thank you for listening. Uh, as usual, I'll have the super cut out next week and probably a new episode as well. We'll see. Um, life's gotten more busy, uh, these days. But, um, for now, got 
uh, an email and a Tumblr ask um, from some very lovely people. So let's start with the email. That uh, email is audiomorphscast at gmail.com. And this is from uh, Wynn, who uh, titled this Audiomorphs Fan from Indonesia, which is very cool. Love to hear from my uh, international fans. Uh, I guess love to hear from uh, the, the Americans as well, but, you know, it's it's just not quite as exciting. Sorry. Um, but they write in, Hey, Daniel, thank you for your hard work on Audiomorphs. It was the year 2005. In an empty school's library, I first encountered the book, Animorphs Number 1. Too bad we don't have the rest of the series, and my English was not good enough to read the one available online. And now, you made it easier for me, and even more interesting with the distinctive voices, must be tiring, the SFX, and the thematic music. Awesome work, dude. By the way, I made the AI-synthesized voices for Cassie and Rachel on your section and greetings. Uh, just for fun. Hope you like it. Keep up the good work, man. Um... Thank you so much for writing in. I listened to the AI voices. It was very kind of jarring to hear a different voice say my outro, um, but kind of cool. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you for writing in as well. I'm glad um, this has helped you enjoy the series more. That's very cool. Uh, I also have a ask on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com from our old friend Willis, who writes in, Like in the new book, like the suspense with the threat of drowning. Unrelated to any of that, I've been watching Star Trek TNG for the first time, and I would love to put Axe and Data in a room for them to just have a conversation. Uh, I actually don't watch TNG. I've never seen TNG. I think I watched the first two episodes of the very first season. I was like, this is... I'm, I'm not feeling this. Um, and before anyone crucifies me, I, I've i seen other Star Trek. I'm sorry. I, I'll get to this one eventually. <laughs> um, but I know, da I know Data. Um... So I I get it. That yeah, that sounds fun. Throw in um the doctor from Voyager as well, and we can they can and I guess Odo, and they can all talk about what it means to um be alive, sort of. Oh, and then I I mean I guess Axe is not like a robot or a hologram, he's just uh weird, so <laughs> it would be a fun conversation still, I think. Um thank you for writing in Willis. Uh, other ways you can reach me is my website, that's theapocalypse.com, that's theapocalypse, like apocalypse, so with a D in the middle, and I have an ask form on there, um, you can also tweet at me, uh, the Twitter is at audiomorphs, that's also where you should check if I'm ever late uploading an episode, I'll probably have a reason up there, um, and I guess you can leave a, a review on pod, uh, Apple Podcasts, I, I check those, and, and you can communicate with me that way too, I guess, if you want a really, like, roundabout one. Um, and I think, I think that's all I got. So thank you all for listening. We're done with another book. We're over the halfway point. Very exciting stuff. I don't remember what the next book is. Excited to find out. Excited to read it with you guys. Um, and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel. And I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Still, I'm still